Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Matthew 16, give no place, part 9 is what we're going to be talking on, uh, 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 dealing with tonight. Amen. And Matthew 16, verse 18, familiar passage of Scripture, but notice what Jesus says. He says, and I say unto you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, we know this, that Peter had received this revelation from the Father. And Jesus is not saying upon Peter, I will build my church. He's saying upon this rock of revealed knowledge that I am the Christ, I'm going to build my church. All right? The Woost Bible says, I will build my church, and the counsels of the unseen world will not overpower it. See, the enemy understands something. He understands there's nothing he can do to overpower the church. There's nothing he can do. There's nothing the devil can do to overpower the church. Now, depending on who you listen to or watch or, or pay attention to, there are people that want to lead you to believe that, but that's a lie. That's incorrect. Nothing could be further from the truth. All right? Jesus said, I will build my church, and the counsels of the unseen world will not overpower it. So he understands there's nothing he can do to overpower the church. The King James uses the phrase, the gates of hell will not prevail. But over and over again, this phrase is better translated, powers of hell or powers of death. The Phillips translation says, the powers of death will never have the power to destroy it. Notice that. The Revised Standard says, the powers of death shall not prevail against it. The Living Bible says, all the powers of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Why? Because Jesus built the church. And he said that that makes us a part of something that cannot be defeated. Cannot be defeated. Cannot be overpowered. In order to prevail in any area over the church, he needs the cooperation of the church. He needs the cooperation of the people in the church because the church locally and universally is the hope of the world. That's why we wrote the book, The Local Church, The Hope of the World. The word prevail here, literally it means be strong. The gates of hell, the powers of hell, the powers of death shall not prevail. Literally it means to be strong. But here in this verse, it means win a victory over. Now think, think about that. The powers of hell will never win a victory over the church. They will and people say, well, you may lose a battle. Wait, that's not what Scripture says. It says the powers of hell will never win a victory over the church. Why? Because the church was built by Jesus and the church was built to win. The church was built to overcome. The church was built to be the ruler and the reigning force 
in this earth. It cannot be overpowered by hell. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? The NASB says it will not overpower the church. The NIV says it will not overcome the church. So we see that the power of hell cannot win a victory over the church, overpower the church, or overcome the church. It cannot happen. It cannot happen. Amen. The church is never weak. I get, I get so frustrated with preachers bad-mouthing the church. Oh, the church is in a horrible state. The church is backslidden. The church is lukewarm. Well, I don't know what church you go to, but put your address up there so I never go. Because the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ is never weak. It's never backslidden. It's never lukewarm. I wonder if that pastor understands what he's saying about himself and the church he pastors. Are you fine? Bless his heart. It's never powerless. It's never defeated. The church is never on life support. I hear people saying things like that. The church, oh, the church needs to rise up. The church needs to do this. The church has never went anywhere. The, the church has never ceased to be what, it, what it's supposed to be. There are factions in the body. There are factions that we call the church universally that may be doing things that aren't right, may not be doing what they're supposed to be doing. But the core, the, the, the church that is built on the rock of the revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus said it will never be powerless, it will never be defeated, and it cannot be overcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when you, when you believe that what you're a part of can be overcome and defeated, you give access to the devil to overcome you in your life. You are a part of something that cannot be defeated. You are a part of something that cannot be overcome. God placed you in a church so that you could learn that I can't be defeated. I won't quit. I won't stop. I won't back down or back off. I have the victory in every situation. Every situation. I have the victory. I don't, know, I don't know how long the game's going to go, but I know at the end, I win. I don't know what the score might be, but I'm going to win. I don't care if i got to match touchdown for touchdown, bucket for bucket, home run for home run. The lights stay on till I win. Amen. I believe God. Amen. Do you see this? It's never weak or powerless. It's never lukewarm. It's never indifferent. The church is the number one greatest threat to the devil in the earth. And he understands that. And, and, and that's why he fights to keep people out of the church. And that's why he fights to get people offended at the church. And that's why he fights to move people away. Because he realizes that if you ever get a part of a local body, if you ever get hooked up with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have just signed the end of His dominion over you in your life. It's just over. Amen. Whoo, I've already preached myself happy. And so he realizes these things to be true. The devil fights to keep people out of the church. Why? Well, let's look at Ephesians 4. The church. 
I love the church. I love the local church. So to thwart that victory, he's got to try to limit the influence of the church. Ephesians 4, notice what it says. Verse 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. The fivefold ministry for the perfecting, the maturing of the saints. Why do we need to be matured? For the work of the ministry. Why do we need to do the work of the ministry? So we can edify the body of Christ. So he knows that if you get hooked up to a local church, that you will start maturing in the things of God, and so that then you can mature and begin to walk out your purpose, and begin to walk out your destiny, and begin to walk out your future, and he knows that anointings and giftings and callings will begin to come into your life. He knows you'll find your real reason for existence sitting in that chair in the local church, and he knows you'll start growing up, and you'll start building up and edifying and encouraging and helping other people, and you'll go from being somebody that had no hope to somebody that's dealing hope. Amen. Do you see that? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a mature man under the measure of the stature, the age of the fullness of Christ. And he knows that if you get hooked up to the church that you will be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Amen. He tries to keep people out of the church because the church is where destiny is realized. The church is where purpose is realized. The church is where your future and your gifting and your calling can be found. Amen. The church is where people come and realize that even though I made mistakes in the past, God isn't done with me yet. God isn't finished with my life. God's still got a plan for me. God's still got something for me to do. But the enemy wants to keep people out of the church. You blew it. You missed it. You failed. You did too much wrong or what? No, let me tell you. If you go out of here tomorrow night and you miss the mark bigger than anybody's business, you show back up Sunday morning ready to lift your hands to God because God is a good God. God wants to show you mercy. God wants your life to be everything Jesus died to make it. Glory to God. Amen. Glow in the local church. Your life changes in the local church. He doesn't want you to get a job in the local church. He doesn't want you ushering. He doesn't want you greeting. He doesn't want you working in the AV. He doesn't want you working in the children's department or the youth department. He doesn't want you doing any of that. Why? Because purpose starts coming alive in you. Destiny starts showing up. You begin to realize that when you look in the mirror, you're looking at somebody that's got potential to change the world. Hallelujah. Often the staff will ask me, well, what are we doing today, Pastor? And I'll say, same thing we do every day, changing the world. Change in the world. Change in our immediate vicinity. Impacting our city, our state, our nation, our world with this word of faith. We are building up a, a, a word of faith distribution center that's going to take this nation and take this state and take this city and we're going to do everything God told us to do. Amen.
So he fights to keep people out of the church. Amen. 1 Timothy 3. He knows if he can keep people out of the church, he can take them away from the anchor and the support of the truth. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15. Paul writes to Timothy, who was a pastor. And he said, if I tarry long, that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. That word, when it says the church of the living God, the pillar, it means the stay, the support. All right, it, it, it carries this idea of the thing that's upholding. All right, in those days, large buildings had columns all throughout them to support the weight. And Paul says the church is the pillar. The church, the local church is the pillar. And then the ground, that word ground means the stay, the anchor, the anchoring point of the truth. So the church of the Lord Jesus Christ supports the truth and anchors you to the truth. And the enemy knows if he can get you away from the church, he knocks all the support out from under you and he gets rid of your anchor and you're like a boat that's out on the ocean with no way of, of, of getting to port because you don't have an anchor, you don't have a support system and he knows if he can get you away from the local church, he can get you away from the support and the anchor of the truth. Because in the local church, the truth is presented. Glory be to God. And so, and so he fights to get people offended. He fights to get people overwhelmed, overworked, over whatever. Why? To move them away from the truth. Why? Truth makes you free. Truth makes you free. Hallelujah. 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 And I've had people say, well, it doesn't matter if I come to church. Beg your pardon, it matters greatly. It matters greatly whether or not you come to church. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say your living room is the pillar and the ground of the truth. It says the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. You may not be able to be at every service, and I certainly understand that. But you need to be at every service that you can possibly be at because something's going to be said that's going to change your life. Why is the pillar and the ground of the truth? The local church. The local church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When, listen, listen, I tell people all the time, they're looking for a spouse. Come to church. Stay in church. Why? He's going to show up eventually. She's going to show up eventually. You just stay with what God told you to do. When you're looking for the will of God, I heard this years ago, when you're looking for the will of God, there's three things that you need to do. Now, now listen, first of all, this is going to sound funny, but first of all, get a job. If you're looking for a spouse, first of all, get a job. Where? In the local church. Find yourself working somewhere in the local church. Why? Because when you start to make God's things important, your things become important. If you're looking for a wife, looking for a husband, amen. Looking for a mate, come to church. Why? They'll show up eventually. When, 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 when God created Adam, first thing he did was give Adam a job. Second thing he did was give him a wife. Amen. 
That's what, you, you just come and work in the local church. I've told people for years, whatever you need, just come and be faithful in the local church. Just come and be faithful. Come and usher. Come and greet. Come and work in the AV. Come and sing on the praise team. Come and do something. Just come and be faithful. Amen. Because your blessing comes to you as you operate in faithfulness. Oh, glory to God. Second thing he did, second thing Adam did was he went to sleep. So the second thing you need to do is rest. And what happened while Adam was resting? Eve showed up. Adam didn't even know it. He just woke up and said, oh, whoa, man. Now that's a little, that's a loose interpretation of that scripture. But you understand. And God presented him with his wife. I have found nowhere in the scripture where anybody discovered the will of God while praying. I found that the will of God discovered them while they were working. Yeah, all all throughout the scripture, all throughout the scripture. Moses watched his father-in-law's sheep and discovered the will of God at the burning bush. David watched his father's sheep and the will of God came to him on Jesse's farm. Elisha was, was plowing in the field and Elijah came to him and put the anointed uh, garment on him. Gideon was threshing his father's wheat and the angel appeared to him. Matthew was collecting taxes. Peter was in a fishing boat and the will of God came to them. If you'll just get busy in the local church, God's will will find you. But I just, I just, I've got it. The, the enemy understands that. And so then people are out where there are counterfeits. And they're out, right, where there are things that this, it looks good, but it's not what God wants for them. Hallelujah. Just tell your neighbor, just say, be patient. The will is coming. Amen. Look at Acts 20. Am I helping anyone? Hallelujah. Acts 20. And verse 28. Paul is talking to the pastors here in Ephesus. And he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he's purchased with his own blood. Now notice this first of all. In the local church, you have, you have men and women that take personal attention and personal care of you. And they understand that it is the Holy Ghost that's made them overseers. Think about that. I teach this all the time in pastor's conferences. you got to realize that the Holy Ghost made you the overseer of those people. All right? And... It is the church of God. And notice the number one job of that pastor. Feed the church of God. Feed the church of God. So it's the Holy Ghost that made them the overseer. It's the church of God they're feeding. Oh, and they were purchased with his own blood. 
I tell pastors all the time, if you go back and you rehearse this all the time, people will never bother you. You'll never get upset with people. You'll never get angry at them because you go through those three things. The Holy Spirit made me the overseer. They're the church of God, and they were purchased with God's blood. So what does that mean? We don't get offended at each other. We don't get offended at people in the church. And it means your pastor brings their best every time they're in front of you. Why? Because you're God's people. You're purchased with his own blood. And the Holy Spirit gave me this job. Amen. And he said, here's why you do this. For I know this. That after my departing, grievous wolves will enter in among you. Not sparing the flock. Now, now, people will read that and say, yes, it's the pastor's responsibility to keep the church safe. And it is. It's the sheep's responsibility to be where the pastor's at. If you're out running in somebody else's flock, how can I keep you safe? Amen. Amen. That doesn't mean you, you don't listen to somebody else and you can't. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're not where the safety is, how can you be kept safe? If, if the wolf comes around and you're not where the shepherd's at, how can the shepherd help you? The safest place for any Christian is in the local church. Why? The local church cannot be overpowered by the enemy. Just can't be. It's impossible. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Do you see that? He said, I know this. After my, I, when I was a, still a young man, but I was a younger man. (laughs) Got to make sure we tell him that, Brother Billy. Amen. I'm still young, but I was younger, all right? Hallelujah. Well, how old are you? Old enough to know better. Amen. But anyway, uh, I uh, was, uh, I say on staff, and I was, I was kind of an associate minister at a church in Amarillo, Texas called Greater Faith Tabernacle, uh, Pastor Michael Weatherly, uh, 808 North Jefferson, Amarillo, Texas. And uh, in case you're wondering, yes, it was a black church. And uh, I was a... Uh, one of three white guys. And so uh, I tell you all, all the time, James came up to me the other night and he was rubbing my hand. And he said, I just think there's some color under there somewhere. And uh, now he said that. I didn't say that. He said that. So uh, hallelujah. But uh, uh, my, my point is, is, is we were there. We were young ministers and we did everything at the church. We did whatever. The, I was 18. We did whatever the pastor wanted us to do. We lived in the back. Uh, 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 of the church there was the old parsonage they'd built the new one there was the old parsonage and uh, we would stay back there and uh, pray and we called it fasting actually we were so poor we didn't have money to buy food so we were just uh, it was kind of a forced fast uh, somebody somebody blessed us with about 50 pounds of potatoes and uh, nobody knew how to cook though and so uh, <laughs> but the point is is the local church man I was so excited to be involved in the local church. I didn't care if I was eating or not. It didn't matter to me. I'm so involved in what's going on in the local church. And I look back over those years, and I stayed in that house with five different guys, 
All right, we all, we all lived there, and, we, and, and we, we had, you know, we, we doubled up in rooms and whatnot. And I look back over my life, and there were guys that were in that group with me that could preach the paint off the walls. I mean, they were just, they were so anointed. But here I am all of these years later, all right, I'll soon be 54 years old, and here I am now, and I'm the only one out of that group that's still saved. One of them's not, one of them's dead. A couple other of them went to prison. And a couple others just got off into sin and threw away their calling. But you know what I begin to see? The local church begin to lose its relevance to them. The local church begin to lose its pull. You got to realize something, that you're safe in the environment that God has placed you in. You're safe where God has placed you. That's where you find your giftings and your callings and your anointings. I was, I was, uh, there was a young man that was going to the church that I eventually met my wife in, Pastor Michelle, and I, I met my wife uh, in the local church. Amen. I moved to Nashville, uh, actually Hendersonville, but uh, the church was in Goodlettsville, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. And I was playing music in the, in the church. My mom and dad were pastoring. I was playing music. I was preaching every now and then, not, not often. But, uh, of course, Pastor Michelle was there at every church, at every service. We were front row mafia, man. I mean, we, we, we were there on the front row. We were in the splash zone, you understand? Remember, you used to go to SeaWorld, and they'd, and they'd tell you, you know, at the Shamu show, you are in the splash zone. First 10 rows is the splash zone. First 10 rows is the splash zone. Amen. And so, so we met there, and this guy had a prophetic call on his life. I don't remember, I don't know if you remember the first attack on the World Trade Center where they bombed the underground parking garage. They thought that would do it, and it didn't happen. He prophesied that three weeks before it happened. He said, I saw smoke coming out from under the World Trade Center, and he didn't know what to do with that. He had a powerful call on his life. But somewhere along the line, the local church began to lose its effect. And, 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 and people started saying, you ought to come here and preach, and you ought to come here and preach. If you've got a call of God on your life, I'm not telling you not to go somewhere and preach if they ask you, but here's what I'm saying. Realize where you're hooked up. Realize what pit you were dug out of. Realize what you're hooked up to. And don't ever abandon what you have to try to go get something that God will bring to you. It may be a little slower. It may not be as fast as you would like it, but it'll be the right way. Amen. See, the enemy realizes that's how people give in place. Amen. That's why Paul said to Timothy, he said, he said that you shouldn't put a person that's newly come to the faith in a position of authority because they'll be lifted up with pride and fall under the same condemnation as the devil. So this young man hadn't been saved very long, but he had a gift. Somebody took it and prostituted the gift, and next thing you know, he's backslidden. Now, I'm not telling horror stories. There's, there's a lot of victory stories, too. My wife and I are victory stories. I mean, if you're talking about two losers going somewhere to happen, that was us. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, you know her testimony. You know, people say, well, you've been saved all your life. Yeah, but that don't mean you can't screw it up. Right? I mean, I, 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 ended, up, I ended up losing my marriage. I ended up messing my family up. Amen. 
Not, not because of any overt sin, just didn't know how to do it. Amen. But I came to the local church, and I sit in the local church, and I got healed in the local church, and I found out how to be a husband in the local church, and I found out how to be a good dad in the local church. Am I helping you? And my life changed. Oh, glory. Look at 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. The Bible has a lot to say about this. Your destiny awaits. Hallelujah. And the enemy knows that. And so he fights hard to keep people away from what God wants them to do. 1 Peter 5. He says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you. The phrase which is among you means as much as in you is. In other words, make this your aim. Make this your goal. Strive to do this. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Any minister's job is never to get up and preach a razzle-dazzle message that's going to make people run and buck and jump. The job is feed the flock. Feed the flock. The jumping and the running is extra. And it's good. We should do it. But this is the point. Notice. Taking the oversight thereof. In a local church, someone has the oversight over your life. Not control, oversight. Not control, oversight. I don't, I don't want to run your life. I got enough to do to run my own life. <laughs> Amen. I, I'm fine if I never have to counsel anybody. Okay? But, but, but here's, here's the point. In a local church... You have somebody taking oversight for you. And we can say, what's involved in that? Praying, seeking God, listening to God for you and your family. This is important. I was talking to a dear woman uh, uh, not too long ago. And uh, uh, when, when she said what she said, I thought, she gets it. Because she made a statement to me and the Holy Spirit just came on her when she said it. She said, when you're preaching, she said, I realize that you know things about your sheep that they don't even know you know. It's the truth. Why? Because, because it's the gift of the pastor. The pastor knows the sheep. And, and, and understand something. When you come and you ask your pastor to pray with you about something, God's going to talk to him about you. Don't get scared. Everybody kind of went, oh, Jesus. Just repent. It'll be okay. Repent. Now, I'm joking about that. But he'll, he'll start revealing things. Why? Because you can get the help there. Well, the enemy knows that. And so he wants to pull people away from the help. I remember one time there was a young man in the church, and uh, uh, this, uh, he, he was a single young man, and uh, this young girl started coming to the church. And when she would get around me, it was just like fingernails on a chalkboard in my spirit. 
Oh. Well, you know, you can't tell anybody not to come to your church. Well, I began to see that she had designs on that young man. You say, what'd you do? I went to him. I said, John, she is not for you. And I've had people say, well, how, well, how is that any of your business? I'm his pastor. Scripture says if you know something's going on, you warn people. Now, you do whatever you want to do, but I'm telling you, as your pastor that prays for you, she is not for you. Now, I had a relationship with him that I could speak that way. He avoided that and was glad that he did because it wasn't good. Oversight. Amen. And, and you want that. Well, Pastor, I need you to pray with me about this. Well, what are you wanting? An answer. So if God speaks to your pastor, an answer, isn't that good? Because somebody has oversight in your life. Now, the ultimate goal is to get you to hear from God for yourself. But you have someone that's taking the oversight. Somebody that's praying for your family. Somebody that's making sure. I remember one time I had a, a guy come to the church and he came from, uh, uh, from Africa. And that, that's, I, I knew him, but I knew the people that he was with better. And uh, uh, at, uh, at the close of service, or towards the close of service, middle of service probably, he said, I feel like I should pray for people. And so he had people come up, and, and some of my leaders came up, and he walked to this one leader, and, uh, and he said to her, he said, uh, I see that there's a, a demon here. Well, I knew that lady, and I knew she didn't have a demon. People say, what'd you do? I went to him, and I took the microphone, and I said, everybody stand up, we're done. And he was looking at me like, I said, let's say the vision. The vision of our church will always be to build people's faith, frame their world by the word of God. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. He looked at me and said, I don't want you mad at me. Not mad, brother. You were wrong. Oversight. Oversight. You see what I'm saying? In the local church, there's oversight. The enemy doesn't want that. If that woman's not around a pastor, all kinds of questions can come into her mind. Well, he said I had a demon, and he hears from God, and he this, and he that. No, no, I'm just telling you as your pastor, no, no Christian can have a demon in their spirit. You can be oppressed in your mind or in your body, but you can't be possessed. Oversight, am I helping you? And notice, not by constraint, not being made to do it. Never put more stock in what a television preacher says than what your pastor says. Why? They don't have the oversight over you. They are a supplement. They're the cherry on the pie, not the pie. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Or the banana in the cereal, however you want to put it. He says, don't do it by constraint. Nobody, nobody makes your pastor pastor you. Or pray for you. Or love you. 
Are you following me? All those five-fold ministry gifts we talked about, all of them are for the church, but there's only one gift in there that you can't have a church without. The pastor. You can't have a local church without a pastor. Amen. Do you see this? But willingly. So they do it willingly. Not for filthy lucre, not money-minded, but of a sober, a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. Now notice, there it is again. You are God's heritage. But notice, but being examples to the flock. Examples to the flock. Well, not just examples on how to live a holy life. We should do that, and we do. But examples on how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a parent, how to prosper, how to walk healed. Amen. Examples. Well, what does an example do? It shows you how to do it. If you will come to this church and give this church six weeks of your life, your life will change. It will radically change. And people say, why? Because of the power of the word. Amen. Do you see that? Somebody told me not too long ago, they said, when I come to church, I just feel safe. Good. We're doing our job. We're doing what we're supposed to do. I would rather go to a church. Now, you don't go to a church like this. But I would rather go to a church where the pastor wasn't all that good of a preacher. See, you don't go to a church like that. But it, <laughs> you got it, you got it. But I would rather go where they're not that good of a preacher, but I'm cared for. I'm loved. I'm protected. Because it's, it's what's in the pastoral office that keeps you safe. Hallelujah. Then he says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear. So the pastor is the under-shepherd. You, the shepherds, will receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So there's a pastor's crown in heaven for watching over the people. One time I was praying. I was praying on a Wednesday night. We had Wednesday night prayer before service. And I was praying, there was one lady there, wonderful lady named Barbara Sheffield, Sheffield uh, just with us for years and a wonderful lady. And, and, and she was an older lady and, and just loved to pray. And she was there praying and it just happened that night that she and I were there first and, and we, I was walking back and forth and she was praying. And uh, I walked to the wall and I just turned around and I, and I looked at her and the Lord said this to me. He said, sheep are trusting and then he said this, never violate that trust. Amen. Never violate that trust. When you come to a local church where somebody knows God has called them to be a pastor and a shepherd, they would do anything but violate your trust. This is our life. This is what God's called us to do. Do you see this? And so in the local church, there is perfection, there is protection, 
there is provision and there's promotion. In the local church, there's perfection and protection and provision and promotion. Provision and promotion. I have had people over the years say things, well, you know, I'm not just getting from God like I used to. It's not coming to you like it once did because it's not coming from you like it once did. If you make it your determined purpose that when I'm at church, I'm going to bring my supply. I'm going to get involved where I can. Your life will change. Now, the enemy knows that. And in closing, the enemy knows that. That's why he tries to move people away from the local church. And, and hear me, if the devil can run you off, he will. But if you make the decision, I'm not going anywhere. Because at the end of the day, the church is called to be influenced. Jesus said in uh, uh, the book of Matthew chapter 5, he said that the church was two things. He said, you are the, light of the, the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. In other words, we're the salt that brings out the God flavors in the earth. And we're the light that brings out the God colors in the earth. And he said that you are to be such an influence that you're like a huge city set on a hill. You can't be hidden. Amen. I'm glad you're a part of this church. I'm glad that God brought you here. And because God brought you here, I know God's got a plan for your life. And because God's got a plan for your life, I know you're valuable. And I know you're valuable because you belong to God. Amen. And ever how old you are, whatever gender you are, there's only two, but just whichever one of those two. <laughs> We've got to be plain in the day, the day we live in. Whatever, whatever ethnicity, whatever racial background that you are, God brought you here and made me your pastor. Made my wife your pastor. We're going to do great things for God. You're going to do great things for God. Because you're where God called you. And in doing so, by showing up tonight, you're telling the devil, I'm not giving you any place in my life. What God and his things are the most important thing to me. Amen. I hope you receive something tonight. Praise the Lord. Well, let's stand up on our feet, shall we?